This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Kids. So when Ellie asked me to speak about parenting, um, I felt that it was a great honor. And it's a very hard subject because parenting is a very individualized the way you work with your children is very individualized. Every child is different. Every parent is different. Every house is different. You good? Okay. But there are certain general rules that cover all of parenting. Baruch Hashem, I have been a teacher in the classroom for 40 years. I actually became a teacher at 20 years old. Pretty much grew up with my students and I've learned a lot of what they need from their parents and I've of course spent a lot of time with parents and learned a lot about what they need from their children I first want to thank Madregos I never met the rabbi we talked to each other and um, the, I know that in the five towns and all over the in Chicago all over the, all over the world pretty much Madregos has a huge effect. Thank you very much to the rabbi, and of course to Ellie for asking me to speak. And Ellie Sheva is an Arnava girl, so she's helped me through many, many, many different years. And also I want to just thank the doctor for, um, for coming to speak. So I want to start off with this. All the speeches and books and therapy and psychology and rabbis speaking about parenting is worthless if you do not give your child the most important thing in the world and every time I come to speak and I speak in my in my Seminary, and I asked this question. What is the most important thing in the world that you can give your child? Everybody answers pretty much the same answer. L-O-V-E. Love fixes all the other letters. A-D-H-D. All the letters that we have floating around. L-O-V-E. It's the fixer. What does that mean? What does L-O-V-E mean? What does giving your child love mean? And when I ask that question, many people shake their head. Uh, Unconditional love? I don't really need a mic. I speak loud enough without a mic. Tell you the truth. I have a very loud voice. Let's keep it. Let's keep it. You want to keep it? Yeah? Okay. So what what does L-O-V mean? What does it mean? What does the word mean? Does it mean buying toys? Does it mean buying your kid toys? Does it mean giving him a kiss and a hug? What does it mean to love someone? So here's the answer. And with this, psychology, books, coaching... Everything works. And the answer is, 
the one thing that a human being in this world cannot live one millionth of a second without. You can live without food, some of us anyway, for a millionth of a second without. You can live without air, you can hold your breath, you can swim on the water, you can live without drinking. So some of the girls in my seminary said, you can live without love. I'm like, I know a lot of people that don't are not loved and they're living. Just try to use the mic. I should try to use the mic because it's recording. Okay. And then there was one girl in my class who was like trying to make an impression. She wanted to get an olive and I scoffed her. She said, you can't live without God. And I'm like, I know a lot of atheists that are living without God. And the answer is, Time. When you have no more time, you are no longer on this world. The most precious thing that a human being has is time. Time is potential. Potential is life. I have dealt with the most depressed abused girls I have sat in psych wards where girls would say there is no reason for me to live there is nothing that I can do in this world I remember such a case it was a very fascinating case actually it was in the Cornell and the girl felt she could not live because she was brought up that that her job on this world is to have children And because of the abuse she went through, she said she will never get married to a man, she will never have children, and therefore, there's no reason for her to be in this world. If she leaves the world, another girl will be born who will have children. And they could not get this out of her. And I sat with her and I told her, I said, imagine the two of us are walking down Avenue J in Brooklyn, Central Avenue. And there's a little four-year-old kid who's walking with his mother and he lets go of his mother's hand and runs into the street. And there's a bus bearing down on this kid. And I said to this girl, you're standing there and I'm standing there. I'm going to hesitate because can I make it? Can I not make it? And that hesitation is what's going to kill that child. So you... You don't even want to live. So you're going to run into that street, not worrying if the bus hits you, and you're going to save that child and save that mother for the rest of her life who would never forgive herself and save that mother from her husband who would be blaming her, how could you let go, and her in-laws and the people and the community. Do you know what you just did? So do you have the potential of running into a street and pulling this kid out in front of the bus. Would you do that? And she looked me in the eye and she said, of course I would do that. I said, so, what do you mean? There's no human being in the world who doesn't have potential. In one of my classes in seminary, we spoke about a man who was 90 years old was in a coma and was brain dead 
Why should we keep him alive? Not in the Jewish world, the halacha. Why should we keep him alive? He's brain dead. He lived 90 years. He has great-grandchildren. He built buildings. He gave charity. He's brain dead. Let him go. What's his potential? I asked my class. What is this man's potential? He's brain dead. Does he have potential? And the girl said, no. So why in Judaism do we have to let him live? If he has no potential, and potential is life. Because all the people in the family that are praying for him, that are visiting him, that are sitting there and doing the mitzvah of Bikachol, it's not only the potential of the person in the bed, but it's the potential of the, what the person causes to others. So until your time is over, you have potential. And that's why it's the hardest thing to give to another human being. Because if life is time, and that's why the English word is called the present, for the greatest present of all is the moment that we're in. That is the most hardest thing to give to someone else because that's my life. That's me. A lot of people have a problem getting married because I'm a single guy and I got my time and I don't want someone to share my time. And every time I do Shalom bias, the woman says the same thing. Every woman says the same thing. Whether they're having a struggle, they're five years married, they're ten years married, they're fifteen years married. Every woman that comes to my house, nobody comes to say, Hi, Rabbi Lossi, marriage is great. Just wanted to let you know. No, it hasn't happened yet in 30 years. So I always let the lady speak first. I'm like, so what's, what's going on? You guys, like, you're very, you know, you look good together. You're married 18 years. Like, what's going on? And every woman says the same thing. And don't go home and tell this to your husband because they don't like me as it is. Rabbi <laughs> Wallenstein, my husband used to love me. He doesn't love me anymore. And every husband reacts the same way. You see? This is the problem. Now, I don't know why guys say this, but this is what we say. What does she want from me? I pay the mortgage. I pay all the bills. We have our accounts are together. I don't understand. I just, I, I just got her a new car. We don't get it. And every woman says, that's not what I want. Well, not every woman. <laughs> That's not what I want. I don't, I don't want that. So what do you want? What do you want from me? What did I give you when we first got married that I'm not giving you anymore? And she looks him in the eye and she says, Time. You don't spend time. Remember when we used to go out? It was like a big fight till 4 o'clock in the morning. Who's going to hang up first? No, you hang up. No, I'm not hanging up until you hang up. Right? Remember that? You remember we couldn't get enough of each other? What happened? You play ball twice a week. You come home late from work. When you're home, you're not here. You go to learn. You go to Davin. I just want to spend some time with you. That's what every woman wants. Why? Because that's the potential of a marriage. You can read all your marriage books. You guys don't spend time together. Burn them with the chametz. It's a waste of time. 
So I say, okay. First of all, we have a woman that's expressive. She communicates. She says what she wants. We're halfway there. So I look at the guy and I'm like, okay. So this is what we're going to do. There's a place called Las Cabos. I remember many, many years ago, I uh, sort of investigated. I wanted to go with my wife because I heard in those days they didn't have cell phones, but even the regular phones they didn't have on this island. And each house, villa, had its own pool, so that was great. And then there's a big hotel on the bottom where the them go for midwinter, so they had a minion and a shear. So this was my perfect thing. And you could actually ride a bicycle down and ride a bicycle up. It was like, it was like my dream. So I called them up. I'm not going to miss minion. I'm going to have a shear, kosher, pool, private, great. So he said, I just want to let you know, we have no televisions, no radios, no phones. There's one public phone in the lobby, and that's for emergencies. And you're, you'll be embarrassed to stand there on the phone, because this is a honeymoon place. You come with your girl, with your wife, and a book. That's it. It's like, wow. I said, listen, either you're going to go home very in love, or you're going to go home and get divorced. Because <laughs> you're going to start spending time with each other, not with other things, and you're going to see if this is... This is real. Why am I talking about marriage? It's not. Not what they brought me here for. Because it's the exact same thing in any relationship that you have with anyone. This is the biggest problem with the relationship that we have with our kids. So I need to start with this. Before I talk about all the coaching and the hints. If you're not willing to give them time... If everyone in this room would say, like, well, honestly, we just want, we want to hear like, coaching and discipline and unconditional love and conditional love, but we as parents were very, very busy. We don't have time for our kids. I would close my book and I'd walk out because there's nothing for me to tell you that's going to work. You will all fail. You don't give them time, you will fail. I am a Rebbe for 40 years. I see the kids who get time and I see the kids who don't get time. I'm a PTA. When I see one parent show up without the other parent, it's very different than when both parents show up. I have five girls. I don't have any boys. I never missed a PTA. And it's a little embarrassing to sit there with 400 women in the, in the in, you know, waiting. And I'm like standing there with my wife with a couple of other guys that probably people think these guys don't have jobs. Like, what are they doing here? But do you know I'm a, I'm a teacher? Do you know the difference when both parents show up to PTA? Or one parent shows up to PTA? When both parents show up to PTA, I know they're very serious about their kid, and I better be very careful with that kid. Because those parents are on top of it. When one parent shows up, maybe yes, maybe no. You're not willing to give the time to go hear from a teacher how your kid is doing? So that's the number one. If we, if we start there, we have, we have a good shot. But technology, the world of Apple, the world of the web, and if you look at the translation of a web, we understand what a web does. It captures the fly. And the fly tries to get out. And the more he tries to get out, the stickier it gets. Look at the words, at the subconscious, look at the words that are used. It's a net. You don't want to be a fish in a net. It's a web. On the keyboard it says enter, but it doesn't say exit. It says ESCP. Whoever wrote the keyboard understood that if you enter, you cannot get out. You have to escape. 
Look at the word for the phone itself. It's a cell. A cell, a web, a net, escape. I didn't write any of those words. How dear a parent who has the most precious thing in the world that God gave them. I spoke at a Shabbaton for a time. 250 couples that didn't have children for at least 13 years. You think if they had a kid, they'd be on their phone? They told me, don't talk about Chinuch in this Shabbaton. Don't you dare. And don't freak out when you see there's no kids. Because every Shabbaton, there's 100, 200, 300 kids running around. How dare we as parents we're given this present from God a picardon something to watch, something to nurture they're not our children they're his children how do you know that? because he can take them away and if you can take something away it's not yours how dare we take a phone and be busy with it when my kid's sitting at the kitchen table and he wants to talk to me and I'm so busy with what? a piece of metal that has no feelings WhatsApp? Do you understand the subconscious of your children? They know they don't mean anything. If you come, they come home and you come home and you're on your phone the whole time? I'm not talking Judaism. I'm not one of those rabbis. I'm not talking about the porn that's on it. I'm, not, I'm talking about the waste of time. This is not a Jewish thing. How dare we waste our time when we have this beautiful child? All he wants and all she wants is our time. Like the woman, that's all she wants from her husband in a relationship. All you want is my daddy's time. One of the best songs I, I want to talk about, non-Jewish songs, but it's it's unbelievable song that Harry Chapin wrote. The Cats in the Cradle and the Silver Spoon. What an amazing song. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when. We'll get together then. And he never spent time with the kid and at the end... He's a grandfather. And now he wants to see his grandchildren. And he calls up his son. And he says to his son, you know, I want to come over, whatever it is. And his son said, I'm too busy with the kids. I'm too busy at business. And the end of the song, my son has grown up just like me. He's just become just like me. I didn't give him time. He's not giving me any time. And unless we change this, you want kids off the derech? You want to stop kids off the derech? We have to change. We have to give them our love. What is love? Our time. Kids should never go to sleep without a parent sitting there. And not telling them about the big bad wolf who's going to sleep with this guy blowing down houses. Or his grandmother has a long nose. Listen to the stories that we tell them. Or some kid walks into a house and says, that's hot, that's cold, that's medium. I don't like any of that. And then you're like, hey, how come you don't, how come you spoil? What do you mean? The story you tell me every night before I go to sleep. Bed's too soft, bed's too hard, I don't like that bed. Just walked into the house, didn't even knock. What a story. Shib Shib said, he was over 12 lavas before the story gets midway. <laughs> but very disconnected. So when kids don't get that love and that time... So they try to find it other places. But those places, ladies and gentlemen, are not their loving parents. 
Those are bad places. So I'll talk about myself for two minutes. I don't know how to be a parent. We don't go to school to be how to be a parent. You know how I know how to be a parent? I don't think I'm a good parent. My kids, I have to ask them. I don't know. My father and my mother were amazing parents. I learned everything from them. So if you don't parent your kid, your kid can't parent his kids. And if you don't give your kid time, he doesn't know any different. My father's always on his phone, so what's your problem that I'm on my phone? So on top of not having a relationship with your kids, you're ruining them as parents because they're gonna do, we do what we see. I went through crazy abuse when I was a little boy in third grade. But in those days, you just you just kept quiet about it and you just carried it on your back, you're a soldier. And then again in tenth grade. And in 10th grade, I said, I'm out. I don't want any part of this religion. I don't want part of this at all. And I wanted to leave Yiddishkeit. I had a major problem. And my major problem was my mother and father. Not that they said anything to me. They didn't even know. I I cannot hurt the people that love me so much. In Tehillim, David HaMelech says... Even with Hashem, but simply serve God with happiness, love, and serve God with fear. So the rabbis ask, either or, either I fear God or I love God. And one of the great rabbis answered and he said, the greatest fear is to hurt the one you love. I could not hurt my parents. So I stuck. And things changed drastically after 12th grade. You think my father loved me more than any of you? There wasn't a moment in his life that he did not spend with me, my brother, and my sister. He told us, my whole life I dreamed about having children that I can spend time with. He had no friends. He didn't have time for friends. He went to Florida, his kids went to them. He went to a ball game, his kids went with them. I was a little boy, I got off the bus on a Friday, he traveled from New York to Florida and back. He was a salesman, I got off the bus, he was standing on the porch of my house with a football. He just came back from five days of traveling, and those days there was no food, it was a can of some, some split pea soup and, 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 and sardines. The man ate for the whole week. And when I got off that bus from Yeshiva, Friday afternoon, who was standing on the porch? My father, every single week. He didn't have to say, I love you. He did. He didn't have to. I knew this man loves me to the end of the earth. And not only that, he always told us, my three children are the greatest things that ever happened to me. When you walk around and you know your mother and father and if you don't think I got schleck I got schleck I wasn't such a good kid when I was supposed to get it I got it but you know when you we don't hit anymore I'm not saying you should but when I did get it I knew I knew that I was getting it from a man that loves me so all the other time he loves me and now I got a smack must be I did something wrong 
if I keep getting smacked and the guy tells me he loves me, no, 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 no. My father smacked me, boy, I have to push. Though I had to push to get hit. I didn't get hit that easy. I pushed. And if you can't do that for your kids, I'm a Rebbe. If your kid doesn't walk around with that, I call it a bulletproof vest. I don't, I don't care to this day what anybody thinks of me. People are like, you know, you say some stuff. Like, hello, you know, some rabbis don't like what you say, some other guys don't like what you say. On the internet, they don't like what you say. Sometimes I'm like, I don't care. I don't care what my mother and father think about what I, what I said. And I know my father would have said it. It's a bulletproof vest. My mother and father, they think I'm the greatest thing. They love me. When I do something wrong, they tell me because that's part of love. If I see you're, you're a baseball and you're swinging wrong, I'm going to correct your swing. Last night, there was a big World Series game. And there's a guy on, on L.A. that hit crazy and they were saying that he was the last pick guy and they brought him into LA and the coach saw how he was swinging forgot the player, he's the best player now and the coach saw how he was swinging and he said you're not going to make it, he hit one home run in like five years and the coach spent time with this guy and changed his swing, same thing with the pitcher changed his pitch that means you love someone not when you're watching him strike out, strike out, strike out, and you're not telling them what they're doing wrong. Because maybe he's not going to be happy. He'll be a lot more happy when the ball goes off the wall on the bottom of the 12th and they win. So as parents, the first thing, that's why I'm telling you this, the first thing, before all the other stuff, is you have to give them time. Get rid of that phone in the house. You need it for business? Great. Don't sell your kids. That's the new business. We're selling our children for a phone, an eight, a seven, a six. If that's what you're going to do, we can get out, me, the doctor, we can give out papers, we can read books, and we can read Mishpacha and all that other stuff. You lost them. You lost them. They don't think they're the greatest thing in your eyes. You lost them. Because at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, whether we like it or not, and I'm sorry if I'm triggering anyone, and by the way, if your parents were like my father, Okay, you could be them. You could be like that. This is not about your parents. We're not judging your parents. Everyone went through different things. You could be like that. And we talked about Zadies and Bobbies in this room. Wow. Zadies and Bobbies, we didn't, I didn't have one. They all died in the Holocaust. You guys have grandfathers? So many kids have grand, great-grandfathers, but grandfathers and grandmothers? That's an unbelievable resource. I hate when grandparents are like, I brought up my kids. I'm, I'm retired. You know what my father told me? After I die, I'm going to keep giving you sinners from my grave. I'll come to you in a dream if I have to. I'm not going away. Grandparents, you're the safety net. Grandchildren come to you and they can just be loved. And loved, not criticized, not disciplined. That's not your job. It's your kid's job. Not criticized, not disciplined, just love. I didn't have such a place. Most of us my age didn't have such a place to escape, to be hugged, candy, sit. And so many of us are like, no, I'm going to Florida. I don't have to take care of my grandchildren. No, they need you. You wouldn't be here if they don't need you. They need you. I can't tell you how many kids that I taught were saved by Bobby and Zadie. Because Bobby and Zadie don't have to discipline. And when they start making noise, you send them home. It works great. 
Once we're giving time. Now we can talk. If we're not giving time, don't even pay attention to what I have to say. Look at your phone tonight when you come home. Do me a favor. Sit by your kid's bed, take out your iPhone, and look at your phone, and look at that kid sleeping, that little angel, and make a decision. Which one you're going to give time? Make that decision tonight. When you come home, mothers and fathers, and your kids are home, take it, put it in a basket, turn off the phones, show your kids that they mean more than that phone. I was assistant principal at Crown Heights Yeshiva, so I went downstairs to the little kids. I love to talk to little kids because they tell you everything. <laughs> there is no filter. It's like, how, how, how's your father doing? Oh, he just threw a plate at my mother last night. I'm like, what did she throw back? The table. Good. So you have to be kids not fair. You're not allowed to ask them those questions. So anyway, so I like to make kids happy. And there's a little girl walking in the hall. I'm downstairs with the, with the kindergarten pre one She's walking in the hall. And she didn't look very happy. I'm like, Rahi! Yeah, Rabbi Wallerstein. I'm like, Who loves you the most in the world? I'm going to get her psyched. Or did it backfire? I don't know. Rahi, who does your mother love most in the world? Not me. I'm like, oh, you have a baby brother, because that's usually what happens. You have a baby brother. No, I don't have any babies. I'm like, who does your mother, this is a true story, who does your mother love the most in the world? Gitty. Who's Gitty? Your sister? No. It's her best friend. Not a relative, like her mother, aunt? No, it's her best friend. I'm like, how do you know it's a true story? I'm going back five years, not now. How do you know that your mother loved Kitty more than you, Ruchi? I'm in trouble now. Because that wasn't the way it was supposed to go. She's always talking to her, even when I come home. None of you in this room know the perception of a child. You have no idea what they're thinking when they see you on your phone. The true story, it backfired. I tried to, I called up that mother immediately. I said, do you know that your daughter doesn't think you love her? I'm like, who's Gitty? She said, she said, Gitty? Yeah, who's Gitty? She said, Gitty? I'm like, yeah, that's your best friend. You're on the phone with her all the time. So she knew that the kid spoke to me. Sit and look at your child and make a decision. Of course, I'm not telling you not to throw your phone in the garbage. You need it for this and that. But wow, this is, this is dead. This battery dies and you have to keep recharging it. You know the kid, it's not the first time you heard the kid tell his father for my birthday, I want to be your cell phone. He says, you want a cell phone? No, I want to be your cell phone. What do you mean you want to be my cell phone? I want to be the first thing you look at when you wake up. I want to be the last thing you look at when you go to sleep. I want you to keep me next to your bed. I want you to charge me. I want you to upgrade me all the time. I have no idea, ladies and gentlemen, what's going on out there. But if you do give your child the time, there are certain things that we need to understand. Number one, something that works amazing. It's called positive criticism. It's unbelievable. What is po- it sounds like an oxymoron. What's positive criticism? When you compliment someone, 
So at the same time that you're complimenting them, you're sort of putting them to task to live up to what you're complimenting them. If the number four batter, who's the cleanup batter in baseball, keeps striking out, the coach can tell him, if you keep doing this, we're going to let you go, we're going to fire you, we're going to put you down to number nine. We're paying you crazy money, what do you think you're doing? That's criticism. Positive criticism is, do you know why we brought you to this team? You batted for four years, 350. You're amazing. They say you have the most natural swing ever to come in baseball. They say that one day you're going to hit more home runs than Babe Ruth. It's okay. You're in a slump. We're good with you, man. You're not going nowhere. If you strike out the rest of the year, we believe in you. Positive? Crazy criticism. He keeps struck. He struck out a hundred times. So he's going to go home to the mirror and say, Wow, that's what my team thinks of me? That I'm amazing? I'm going to go to batting practice every single day now for four hours. Why? Because if that's what you think of me, I want to live up to it. Of course, if the guy can't swing, you don't do that because then you're setting him up for failure. So your child, you have to figure out what you can compliment. You're the funniest kid. You know that you make the best jokes. Mommy and Tati, you are so funny. He's going to start reading jokes on the uh, Snapple bottles to make you happy. You're, you're smart, you're fast, you're sports, you're dance, you're, you're, you're musical. You have to find the thing and tell them, you know, you're the best drummer. I never, you're unbelievable. We're going to buy you a drum set. And what happens is, when, when you start doing well, then you start doing well, and you start doing well, and you start doing well at everything. Because when you get that feeling the first time that you're successful, it breeds success. When you keep failing and failing and failing and failing, it breeds failure. So when a kid comes home with a 50 on a test, people are shaking in the room, a 50 on a test, instead of saying, a 50? Do you know your father works three jobs to pay for your tutors and you've got a 50? She thinks she's doing And when people start talking that you are not, you're not intelligent, they're going to think the whole family's not intelligent, she's going to end up being an old lady, she's never going to get married. And Yosef, your friend, whose mother's going to call me tonight, she's going to ask me, so how did your kid do? My kid got a 90? You're shaming the whole family. I'm sure many of us in this room heard this from their own parents. And then they called me up, Rabbi Wallstein, what therapist should I send my kid to? I don't know why he's so anxious. <laughs> he has anxiety. The kid's walking around like, I just killed my father. My sister's never going to get married. My mother will never pick up the phone again. And I'm stupid. You killed him, man. You killed him. You just killed your kid. You think the next test is going to be better? It's going to be worse. Let's try this. A 50? Let me see the test. 20 questions, you got 10 right. Number three that you got right. Number three that you got right. That's much harder than number two. How'd you get that right? And the mother sits there and he looks at him and he goes, you know what? You're right. Yeah, I wasn't thinking by number one. 
next time he gets a test, it's a 60. Next time he gets a test, it's a 70. Then he starts to feel good about himself. And he believe, when you believe he can do something, you can do it. And he believes that he can do it, and he can do it. Positive. He got a 50, don't kill him. He got half of it right. Go on the positive. Of course, if he needs a tutor, get him a tutor. I'm not telling you that. But you as the parent, he has to think, and she has to think, that they are the greatest thing that ever happened. So I got my, my signal to finish. I'm going to finish with one more story. We'll end with this. First of all, I just want to tell fathers that are in the room. So in the Jewish world, we're dealing a lot with young I don't even want to say 7th, 8th graders. It's not more what's going on. 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th graders. Girls that are very busy with boys that we don't, we don't want them to be busy with boys. And, and parents come to me all the time. I, I found her phone. I found this. I found that. And she's talking to boys. And she's doing other things with boys. And, ah, what's going on? I want to talk to fathers in this room for a minute. When God created the man and the woman, so there's a... In psychology, I don't know, I heard this in, actually in Utah, so I don't know if it's in the psychology books. It's called the plus. There's a, there's a vertical relationship and there's a horizontal relationship. The vertical relationship is where the kid's very small, father, mother, teacher, God. The horizontal relationship is when you begin to get older, friends, husband, right? It's plus. Vertical, horizontal. You have a, you have a vertical and a horizontal relationship. And the way he, the way he because women have are maternal, right? And therefore, they, he wants them in the end, at the, right, in the horizontal, to love to be in love with a man, and a man should love her, and there should be that relationship. But so that has to be part of her, and has to be part of him. But what do you do when the kid's young? He can't. She can't have a relationship with a boy. So fathers give unconditional love to their daughters. Any guy that's in this room, you know that's true. And mothers give unconditional love to their sons. And many times it's a shalom bias problem because the mother's yelling at her daughter, and the father's like, "Stop yelling at her." You were just like her when you were young. And I was like, you married me or you married her? And becomes a big mosque like this. And the other way around, the father's like trying to get him up for shachlis. And his mother's like, you didn't used to get up for shachlis. He's like, what are you butting into my business for? And they have this whole big fight. But meanwhile, there's un- the, the mother is brought into this world with unconditional love for a male. As a female, she has unconditional love. So that unconditional love has to be a, a father. Chatzoshav, not wrong, not physically, but he has to be there for his daughter. And you know what happens when a father is there for his daughter, and he takes her to a baseball game, and to a hockey game, and out to eat, and gets interested in her life. He becomes sort of her boyfriend. He's the go-to man in her world. So when someone's bothering her, he goes to her, she goes to her father. And she has this relationship. And 99.9% of the girls that I have met that have that are 14 years old, and I, I love when they come into my office and they're 14 years old, and I'm like, don't tell me. I know the guy you're going out with. What do you mean? What do you mean? Nobody knows. I'm like, he's 17, and he doesn't get along with his mother. What are you, I'm a couple? How do you know that? Oh my God, what else do you see on my forehead? I'm like, I don't see anything. You're looking for a father. And he's looking for, for a mother. So you're looking for a father, you're looking for an older guy, he's shaving, you're that, oh, I'm with an older guy. And the guy, why is, he, why is he 17 and with a 13, 14-year-old girl? Because he's going to get unconditional love from her. She's going to be like, you're my God. If he's going out with a 17-year-old girl, she'll be like, why are you late? Why, yeah, she's going to give him a hard time. So as fathers, if we want to protect our daughters, develop a relationship. doesn't say anywhere in the Torah that you shouldn't. She should be just like your son. 
And if you develop that relationship and it's healthy, she's not going to look for love in all the wrong places. And as mothers, talk to your kids. Take your son out for lunch. He needs some female love. And if he doesn't get healthy female love from his mother, he's going to get unhealthy female love from someone else. It's all based in time. you got to give your kids time. And don't take the whole family. Every single one of your kids needs to be taken out separately. Because when you go on a family trip, and I've had this all the time, what do you mean? I spend time with my family, I take them all out. To them, it's a family trip. You don't care about me. You took all the brothers, all my sisters. You need to take your kids one-on-one and show them that you love them and spend time with them and listen to them and talk to them and make a decision tonight what's more important in your life. Because after we leave this world, after we die, we still walk the world as a husband and a wife more than we're alive. Because when we're a husband and a wife and we're alive, we're two entities. When our child walks in the world, we become one entity through them. So even after we leave this world, our child is both of us together. You're going to give that up for a phone or a screen or a piece of metal. So my bracha to everyone here is, God should give you a lot of time, which is a lot of love, which is a lot of potential. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.